0: And uh, frankly, having Malcolm on from Israel helps us bridge that gap as well at a time when that gap has been a little too wide. Malcolm Honlein is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM.
1: Well, it's great to be back with you, especially from here. I'm here building bridges, and everybody's waiting for American Jews to come back and to visit them. And to make this uh, make the old scene reappear,
0: it's funny because uh, yesterday I was on the phone with someone who's very familiar with the real activity regarding travel to Israel. You know, sees the numbers, the data, the ticket purchases, etc. And uh, with all the different rushes that we've seen over the last two years to get to Israel when things opened up, when things slightly opened up, when things thought they were opening up. Nothing compares to what's going on now. Someone said to me yesterday, "If you want a ticket any time between now and the end of the summer, you've got to book now." And the prices, by the way, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this. The prices, especially uh, for holiday time in mid-April, are are completely you know out of whack. So I think we're finally seeing what you've been predicting for a long time. We're finally seeing the real rush to get back to Israel that all of us thought we were seeing before, but we really weren't.
1: I think so. It's not materialized right now, uh, generally. It will materialize with Pesach and thereafter. I believe a lot of people, and I've said this in interviews here, trying to counter some of the things that have been said about, you know, the, uh, the outrage and breaking of the relationship and et cetera. It's true the system that was in place had a lot of flaws. But, you know, governments do what they have to do. But now I think for many of the people... They, they came to realize just how important Israel is in their lives and, and that we not take for granted our ability just to get on a plane and go, that, the, you know, how meaningful Israel is. I was today at the City of David, and it's it's just so mind-boggling. It's so incredible, and I've been there a hundred times, and if I'm there a thousand times and at the hotel and the, the tunnels and the new buildings and new excavations and new everything— it would be, it couldn't be any more meaningful or, or impactful than it was, even though I was there and I've been here, you know, during this COVID period. Uh, it's still, it's so exciting and you see it in the people who are here, parents visiting their kids in Yeshivot, um, you know, people here for all sorts of reasons, hopefully all good ones, uh, positive ones. And the, uh, you know, the spirit is high. People feel the tourism that it's coming back, and the restrictions are being lowered all the time.
0: Well, thank God for that, and let's hope they continue to go in that direction. Um, I don't know if you had an opportunity this week to meet with the prime minister. Often you do. What can you tell us about the phone call between the prime minister and the president of the United States this week?
1: Uh, It is not true that he called collect. That's the first thing I want to just clarify that. The rumors. Thank you. And second of all.
0: (laughs) Half the people so listening don't even really know end. what that means, but okay,
1: <laughs> not, not no more. <laughs> mm. That age is over. But exactly. um, uh, the, the the conversation uh, concluded with an invitation to the president, to President Biden, to come. He accepted it and said he will do it before the end of the year. Obviously, the bulk of the conversation was about uh, Iran and what's going on there and the negotiations which have resumed already in um, in vienna uh, i will tell you that here there's generally a lot of skepticism uh, and and the belief that uh, this is not going to go anywhere that they do not believe there will be a conclusion the administration has set a deadline of this month for the negotiations to conclude Uh, i think the iranians in part because they have benefited so much from the increase um, in oil and increase of their oil exports by about 40% over the past year. So they netted about twenty-five billion billion, three-quarters from China, but even from the UAE, about $600 million. Um, uh, dollars. So they're not under the same exact pressure, but they still have tremendous economic uh, problems uh, that beset them and that they – You know, they're looking towards all sorts of venues. They're going to the UAE with a trade conference. They are trying to build ties in the region, uh, certainly with uh, Russia and China. But the uh, bottom line is, are they prepared to really change? And we know that they haven't dismantled facilities. They're building bigger and better facilities. Even at Natanz, which was destroyed, they have built it stronger. They have the advanced centrifuges. They're not being demanded, from what we hear, that that it be destroyed, but that they would be shut down. And we know that they secretly then just resume production. They have secret facilities that inspectors haven't gone to. Um, And we've already made concessions in terms of allowing foreign companies to uh, work with Iran on their domestic nuclear capacity, power plants, things like that. But the fact is that any knowledge they gain is the, it transfers to the military. So under the guise of um, you know, non-military nuclear research, they, in fact, can advance their, their policy, just their, their um, infrastructure, just as they did with the ballistic missiles, which they say is a space program, but in fact is a weapons uh, program in disguise. So we have a a lot of dissension in in the American delegation over some of the concessions that have been made, and some who felt that the position isn't strong enough. We have others who say that they're being tough and they they don't want the onus that they will say that the West didn't deliver, that it's in fact Iran that doesn't want uh, a peace deal. And they're doing everything we see in Yemen. You see the kind of, of provocations they're yeah, sending more and more sophisticated weapons because the rockets that they're firing, that the Houthis are firing, according to the head of the Central Command, are not homemade. They're coming from Iran. And so Iran at nefarious activities in Iraq, in Syria, in Lebanon, all over the region and way beyond Continues unabated.
0: What I don't understand is it's only to the benefit of the Iranians that this is con- constantly delayed and constantly dragging on these negotiations. There's no advantage to the U.S. or the, or the quote-unquote allies in this, right? It's- no,
1: because the more, time, the more time means that they can uh, you know, advance their, their policy, they can advance their uh, nuclear program, they can um, gain more experience and also concoct and build underground facilities under uh, other uh, capacities in, uh, you know, in Fardo, in in, in the, the program allows them to reopen the hard water plant that we used to talk about in Porgo. We have to, um, so, you know, it's in their advantage uh, to go as long as possible, but it also builds up the frustration of the other parties but did you see that this week Iran launched a new missile with a 900-plus yeah. right. range? Did you see the name of it?
0: Yeah. The
1: Khaibar the, the, Shikan, right. which means Haibar Buster. Haibar was an ancient Jewish oasis in the Arabian Peninsula, near, in the Khijhads region, that was overrun by Muslim warriors in the 7th century, and it was a promise of peace by um, by their leader, and he, in fact, they reneged on it. And it's domestically manufactured by the IRGC, the Iran Revolutionary Guard, and has is is a solid fuel, high accuracy, very disturbing. They have longer-range ones, but these uh, also can hit Israel and can hit many of the American bases in the region. But the choice of the name should be a a wake-up call to people who think that there's anything but... um, in nefarious and, and negative activities you know at the demonstrations they yell khaibar khaibar ya Yahud which is uh, it's an anti-semitic chant reminding them of the of the destruction of the Jewish community and it's a battle cry against Israel and and Jews so I think that that's a good indicator for those who are skeptical about the intent or our, our, our definitions of the true intent of the Iranians. That says
0: it all. Yeah, I mean, you always talk about symbolism being, uh, you know, more than just symbolic. And of course, uh, this is a perfect example of that. Uh, there was a Gantz Abbas meeting this week that some are saying was an illegal meeting. Is that what happened?
1: Not this week. I think it was before. But uh, they, there were people who have challenged uh, Gantz's uh, meetings uh, with, with Abbas. It's not Abbas of Ram. it's Abbas of the Palestinian Authority about and you know, they had another a meeting. Uh, I think in the first four or five years of the Palestinian Council, they elected Abbas loyalists to key positions, but uh, did not address any of the really serious problems. We see the increasing incursions of uh, of uh, Hamas in the West Bank, with the backing of Iran, maybe Turkey, maybe others. But they are having they have greater greater and greater influence, especially amongst younger people. And the polls show it, others' studies show it, and despite their terrible record and horrific treatment of the people in Gaza, the people in the West Bank are getting fed up with the PA. So there are those who are saying that, that um, Gantz uh, should not be – but Gantz is talking about coordination on the uh, security, which is continuing – uh, and very important to both sides.
0: Right. So the question, okay, I, I get it. I mean, there's obviously just purposes to these meetings, but I just... Uh, I, I guess it depends, and I, I, their
1: political differences too, right? And I guess I mean the different political parties right. uses
0: uh, the vehicle. Correct. We're getting used to that in this country, you know. That's right. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I'll tell you, someone asked me to ask you. I mean, just from a political science standpoint, what, what, what do you think of the whole, you know, shutting of the border by the truckers up in Canada and what it's doing uh, with this tremendous reduction in trade now, uh twenty-five to thirty percent between. Uh, the U.S. and Canada. I mean, uh, you know, one one man's, as we always say, one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. I I guess it depends what side of the political aisle you're on in terms of what your attitude is toward it, right? Well,
1: there are aspects of it which are, are disturbing. There are parts of it which I think people do relate to, you know, understand that there's frustration. And it started off about the mask mandates and then has spread to every other political issue or issue, period. Uh, What is very disturbing to me is when you see swastikas at these demonstrations and you see that the the radicalization of these things and you build a national, now it's becoming international because in other countries, including the US, that's threatening to do it in Washington. uh, And you see the impact, whether it's on trade, whether it's on the vital uh, supplies that the United States needs from Canada. Canada's economy gets impacted, US economy gets impacted. And uh, people have a legitimate right to freedom of speech and freedom to protest, but I see signs of this that it it could be taken over by more radical elements that could be uh, uh, very very dangerous.
0: I mean, I hear that it doesn't. I mean, the the majority, if not the overwhelming majority, of the people you see uh, during the television reports uh, don't seem to be sympathizing with you know Nazis and swastikas, frankly.
1: No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that most of them are. I said the appearance of swastikas, as we have seen throughout this COVID thing, uh, uh, plague. How many times now we've seen Nazi analogies, uh, swastikas, people wearing yellow stars, doing also take picking Holocaust uh, imagery and and using it in regard to COVID, which is obviously wrong. But. It's also a way of dimin- diminishing the Holocaust and and its unique. And I think that the, these events are not something
0: that you can dismiss. Yeah, I hear that. While we're on the topic, what do you think of those uh, scenes that were that we're seeing uh, via the iPhone camera of uh, students being encouraged to uh, learn about and demonstrate the Nazi salute? It's
1: that alone was. Very disturbing. It's not an educational exercise. Uh, I mean, would you reenact lynching uh, of blacks or or anything else? That, terrible things that have happened in, in in history or in American history, world history. The answer is no. You educate about it. You teach about it. But the the uh, teaching young people about what was good about the the Germans, as one teacher was doing, you know, that kids had to write essays about it is. Is um, is something that is happening all over the country. We see so many manifestations on campuses in high schools and even younger. Uh, Holocaust knowledge levels are dropping precipitously. Half of uh, college students couldn't identify the concentration camps or what it They don't know, even don't know what anti-Semitism means. It's a wrong word. We should talk about Jew hatred. But the uh, you know each incident has to be fought because if you allow it to get to go and dismiss its significance, then it's only going to invite its replication and and you know, we know copycats, we know all these things happen when we get into these issues. So uh, it's it's not I, I, I agree agree I believe that you have to be selective, you have to see that there's real anti Semitism, we act on it, where it's something borderline, it's corrected and where it's something that you can use that you can use it as an opportunity for education for change. But when leaders and others are today engaging in blatantly anti-Semitic stuff, it's got to be called out and it's got to be confronted. It's
0: America's one and only but, Jew. Say it again. Can I, I just want to say there was a
1: 75% increase in anti-Semitic attacks in uh, in France. that was reported last week. This week, Britain reported a sharp increase in the number of uh, anti-Semitic uh, incidents. We see now the reports about sports watching, even taking the Olympics, and trying to use it and, and as they've done in other things where you know, like pink washing with the gaze, this was sports washing where they say, you know, you shouldn't allow Israel to participate in international um uh, events because that that uh, exculpates them from their terrible deeds and from and from what they've done. And uh, you know the people have to look at these statistics and take them seriously because there's a consistent pattern of of the the degradation of uh of israel and the diminution of israel but also of jews and the challenges that we face with these attacks and they're not just against quote the visible jews it spreads it starts there because you know they're they're the target of choice because you can see them you can identify them but then you see how quickly it spreads to other communities
0: it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchomSigl.com and the AlchomSigl Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is in Israel with us live via telephone. On that theme somewhat, what did you think of the Board of Deputies' reaction to Smotrich's comments in England?
1: Well, I saw what the, what the exchange was between them. And I think you know comparing them to Jewish leaders, you know pre-Shabbat German Jews, is inappropriate. And you know trying to throw them out is inappropriate. You know they demanded that Smutrich leave, um, leave the uh, Britain, uh, and they condemned his trip, um, and so and obviously his uh, his comments. More um, the board of deputies, though, on his arrival, called him a disgrace. They asked him never to visit UK again. So I think this is an unfortunate public display. It is a time when I, as I cited to you, the number of anti-Semitic attacks is is so sharply increasing in in Britain. It is a time when the, the energies and the efforts there and here can be used to fight each other, but in addressing the the true uh, the anti-Semitism and the rising anti-Jewish uh, activity.
0: And on the subject of political realities and the way people respond to different episodes, you know, we play Army Radio every morning here at JM in the AM, and now I'm, uh, I'm being asked to reconsider because of some of the personalities, specifically Bardugo, who's been let go. Uh, are, are we seeing in Israel uh, a, um, uh, 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 a a less tolerant administration when it comes to their media sources like we're seeing here in the United States? Uh, I
1: can't say because I, I really just I don't know.
0: Okay, um, it just seems to be a trend, frankly, where all of the and worldwide it's yeah, all of the divisive uh, all the divisions that we see uh, within the media are just getting starker and are becoming more and more uh, prominent. And I can't imagine that's good for anybody, frankly, down the road. And Israeli naval officers now being stationed in Bahrain—how significant is that?
1: There are very significant developments. One of that, the visit of the Israeli police chief, first time to the to to the UAE. He had to come back because of the scandals that were breaking here, but the visit nonetheless was uh, was very important. There have been a series of visits of UAE leaders, including a a parliamentary delegation that spoke to Knesset and said the process is irreversible. It is. It's there. It's not going to go backwards. Uh, I mean, we see these uh positive uh, manifestations of greater cooperation that's going on in I believe in technical and areas that we do not that are not public but are, are important uh One of the things that I think was important was I saw an announcement of the German ambassador in Indonesia open the Holocaust museum there, yeah. and i'm trying to get more details on it, but it it, it that would be a very significant uh, expression as you know Indonesia has walked the thin edge. Um, on some of these issues and had reached out to Israel uh, supposedly for uh, information and COVID or whatever but there have been some efforts to to try and bring Indonesia into the fold even in a very limited way as there was with even Pakistan and others uh, but the Kamara Islands uh, was another one of the targets so I think these visits to the UAE and the, the presence there because of the growth of the Iranian Navy and the increasing capacity that they have, not only in drones in missiles, but they are also uh, fielding these the small submarines and uh, other provocative uh, acts, that the, the greater the degree of cooperation, the, the, the drones that they placed in Yemen now can hit Israel. They have 930 mile range, and people understand that Yemen poses a danger. It always has to Egypt, but now with the longer capacity, and more sophisticated the weapons and with the new guidance systems that are given to the missiles in, in Hezbollah, it's a, of Hezbollah to, in Hamas, they pose a really serious danger because now they can direct them at specific targets, which they could not do before.
0: I don't know it seems like uh <laughs> those who are uh, siding with Israel or becoming friendlier with Israel or or cooperating with Israel are enjoying those benefits and are insisting like Bahrain as an example are insisting on moving forward for the benefit of their country and of course those who are doing the opposite it's just, th- that whole relationship with Israel is getting more and more difficult and more and more dangerous so i just it it seems like it's a very stark yes, you know, it's I was, a
1: stark contrast. I, mean, I, 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 was, right.
0: I was reading this article in the Times about the the Kurds and you know the mess that that was created when they wanted to form their own you know independent region and the price that people pay for the attempt at freedom and independence is unbelievable. And you know, you look back and and you ask them, you know, now that you see the way things are in twenty twenty two, would you have done the same thing? And I think a lot of them would have said yes. And 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 people just want to you know continue to 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 do what's necessary to maintain their and that by the way that I think it's a lot of the uh, the Canada piece right now, and and some here in the United States as well after the the you know the COVID of the last two years et cetera. I, I wonder what unless unless I'm just not on the spot there, so I'm not as familiar. I wonder if the same attitude prevails now in Israel. Are they also sick and tired of the whole thing and? and are, are ready to revolt against government regulations that remain there, or there are not enough regulations that remain that are were, worth revolting against?
1: No, there is there is sentiment about it. There's strong sentiment. There are a lot of people who don't. Without, and the hotels, they're pretty strict about the uh, masks when you go for food, for instance, if you, they are. But it's it's observed in the breach in the, uh, in the lobbies and places like that, you know, you, you, And people on the street are not walking around that mask. There are, there are people who do, and there are people give you a strange look if you're not. Uh, But, but the same thing like in New York. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's more of a demand for consistency, for clarity, for saying, you know, this is the policy. This is why we're doing it. This is what, when, when we will end it, you know, giving more defined deadlines. And every time there's an announcement, it's never clear. Is this applied to everybody? Does it apply to kids? Does it apply to others? and 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 the same thing was true in the united states it's It's hard to um you know governments facing something uh, that they didn't have experience with there there is a distrust generally about the statistics that ha- have been offered, and sometimes we find that they, they were faulty uh, but the fundamental need for people to still adhere to, and be careful because there's a new variant which is oh God also appear also appearing here, which is highly contagious but not severe and and each subsequent one will likely not be uh, severe but they they will you you know you can get reinfected
0: Any other good news for us um there is a lot of good news by today, the way uh, by, no, by uh, the way what would you say and before we wrap up this part, this piece what do you think that do you agree with me that the majority of the Kurds would say that they would do nothing differently through this whole battle because Absolutely.
1: the Kurds are very courageous they've been fighting they are now, under, under uh, a lot of assault because of the revival of Daesh, of uh, uh, ISAS, uh, the Islamic State is, is, is coming back. People said, you know, they're defeated, but we know that they remain. They spread out in Syria and, and in Iraq, but they're regrouping. They're attacking in Syria. Their uh, uh, greater presence, which uh, they were against Egypt and the Sinai, but here back in the, in the Syria fold, and on this issue, all of the parties um, in Syria got together to, and with the United States, to drive them out. And we were told that they were were destroyed. And yet we see now that uh, ISIS is in fact um, uh, becoming more of a more of a factor, w- which really shakes up things for people. It's not, you know, I, I know that people think the Islamic State was something um, of the past. But if you look what people in northwestern, in northeastern Iraq or in parts of Syria, and they say the police don't come because the Islamic State fighters are emerging as a deadly threat, they, they, uh, and the fact of the lack of central control, and, uh, and, and even the security officials uh, acknowledge it, they have all of these cells that uh, are operating independently because they survived independently from a central ISIS control. But their fighters are entering into the villages. They, they take away the food. They kill people indiscriminately. It's it's very dangerous. Wow. And the Kurds are the ones who bear the brunt. And yet they have remained. They're the ones who were controlling the prisons where there was a break. Yeah. That's where they were assigned. You know, they gave them the work nobody wants wanted to do in Syria. And the Kurds are, you know, fighting for their the recognition of, of, the, of the state for them and uh, which would, you know, is a threat because it goes across Syria, Iraq, um, Iran, uh, and Turkey, and Turkey, as you know, is fighting the PKK, which is a Kurdish group in in Syria, uh, as well as uh, in its own borders.
0: Unbelievable! Uh, before I turn to you for the good news, uh, isn't it interesting to see how Unilever is tripping all over itself to try to figure out what to do with Israel?
1: Well, I do think that that is. Uh, that that is important. That the you know Unilever lost, I think, twenty six billion dollars in their value since the Ben & Jerry's uh, stuff, wow. uh, and may have been due to other things. Come, other companies also lost value. But it's very important that the message that when you engage, it's one thing, you know, for them to have views into you know what their conduct of their business. They have to know there are consequences, and and to say, well, that Ben and Jerry's is now completely independent, which it is, but legally, I think that their board, when they made the deal to buy it. Ben and Jerry's, was authorized to do what it wants and to be independent, and uh, etc. Uh, but there has to be a message, and it's a message that will be heard by other companies whose people engage in BBS activities or who boycott or. Is another company that I don't think it's public yet that is being investigated because some of the, their employees uh, said that the company is, is engaging in BDS and quietly and against Jewish employees. Uh, those are the things that we have to stand up. What is what is good is that we see uh, more and more states, more and more people adopting the higher definition, uh, more emphasis on critical measures being taken. The efforts in Congress now to sharply increase the amount of money available for synagogues, other institutions, uh, other faith institutions um, uh, to protect them. This is very critical to get the cameras up. You see, in all the incidents that are occurring, and there are so many, how many times it's the cameras that are on the streets, outside of buildings, homes, even, but certainly around institutions that enable the police to identify the perpetrator and to bring them to justice. Unfortunately, the definition of justice today has changed, and it (laughs) means you come in, you get a a slap on the wrist, and you're out before the police are even back at their station.
0: And go commit another crime or go attack somebody else. Of course.
1: We had cases where somebody did it in the morning, and remember, in the Bronx, and then was released in the afternoon. They were arrested in Staten Island. so. (laughs) You know this part of the justice system has to be addressed the, the you know the more that we give them the impression that you can get away with looting in stores or carrying out any kind of an attack and and this crosses all borders, uh, all groups It's something that should be uniting every community together to fight these 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 things. I think that there is a change that even those who may have advocated you know reform the police or even defund the police. Are not doing so now. That there are different uh, expressions of people coming to realize because everybody pays the price for this. Every community, but minority communities, I think they're uh, in, in many places the, the most significant front uh, of the increase in crime and and getting all of them to understand what, why it's imperative that law and order be universally applied. That shouldn't be discrimin. There shouldn't be discrimination. But everybody has a stake in that
0: and the attacks on members of our community around this country uh just um you know you you feel helpless at times even those who are not involved in the episode you know you you look on you don't know who to call first you don't know what uh if if the police
1: people don't want to hear it Uh, i'm telling you honestly people still tell me oh it's depressing you warned about all this you told us 10 years ago i didn't want to listen because you know it wasn't wasn't happy news i said it's not happy or sad it's reality if you don't want to confront reality you will pay the price. Jews cannot afford to live in illusions. Right. Jews have to live with reality. There are people who can afford it. America thought that they could live, you know, above and beyond what goes on in the world. And we find out that we can't. The whole, right. the most powerful country in the world. Right. But certainly the Jewish communities can't. And that's a clearing call, and, and I think. And I've heard from people, even a journalist in Israel about this, who listens to the show, um, that this is a message that's on in Israel. They don't fully... Understand the scope and, and, but more about Europe, they do because it's been longer and I guess in a sense more blatant. And the studies that are coming out, you know, the annual reports on the in- incidents are terrible. But the incidents reports from America are terrible, horrible. On the campuses, off the campuses, the number of assaults, the number of incidents. And we have to work together. And thank God we have some organizations, you have SCAN, you have others. We're working on the ground, helping to mobilize. And we should get Congress and people who speak to Congressmen to encourage that more money be allocated and see to it that our institutions use them effectively, not use them for any other purpose except for the security of our our schools, our schools, and institutions.
0: Well said. Next week in Israel or the United States?
1: Uh, God willing, in Israel.
0: God willing, will be able to do it, yeah. Looking forward. Have a wonderful Shabbos in the Holy Land, and thanks for joining us. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Always extra special when he's with us from Israel here at JM in the AM.